Chapter 14 In which a royal wizard catches a cold. Sophie rode back to the castle's Kingsbury entrance in one of the king's coaches drawn by four horses. On it also were a coachman, a groom, and a footman. A sergeant and six royal troopers went with it to guard it. The reason was Princess Valeria. She had climbed onto Sophie's lap. As the coach clattered the short way downhill, Sophie's dress was still covered with wet marks of Valeria's royal approval. Sophie smiled a little. She thought Martha might have a point after all, wanting children, although ten Valerias struck her as a bit much. As Valeria was, had scrambled over her, Sophie remembered hearing that the witch had threatened Valeria in some way, and she found herself saying to Valeria, The witch shan't hurt you. I won't let her. Hey, that was my line. Oh, well, do you know where you are? You are in an endless epic. And here there be dragons. Welcome back, story seekers and adventurers all. I am your esteemed host, the reader of tales, Mr. Castle, and I am here with my beloved and benevolent, benevolent? boy toy brother. Whoa, yeah, hey, it's like family podcast. <laughs> uh, the incredible Mr. Smith. Uh, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going. Ready to deep dive into the story and find out about a royal wizard that gets a gets a cold. You know, for how good this book is, she she names her chapters so like drolly. Yeah, it's and it, I don't know if he, I don't know if it's on purpose or just because she's British. It has, but or it's probably a bit of both. I would assume a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. a little bit of both. Because the, the British can't. Because what's exciting it, for the no offense? Yeah. See, <laughs> <laughs> it's what's exciting for the British. Charlie caught a cold this evening. Yeah, that's all that excites them. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you hear that Sophie blackened young Charlie's name? Not again. She said that he was. She said that he was a a, a slitherer outer, <laughs> a right old fool, <laughs> boulder dash, and all that, and all that. Any, anyways, <laughs> anyways, getting back into the story. So uh, I, I want everyone who is listening to make note of, of what Sophie just said. Uh, yes. If, if, uh, if Mr. Smith so could, could so kindly remind us of what it is Sophie just said. The witch shan't hurt you. I won't let her. Uh, and to remember things that we know about things that Sophie says from the book so far. They this is foreshadowing... Happen. <laughs> this is foreshadowing, and you should pay attention. All right, moving on. Thanks for uh, holding everyone's hands to that. <laughs> I'm sure it's greatly appreciated. The king had not said anything about that, but he had ordered out a royal coach for Sophie. The equipage drew to a very noisy halt outside the disguised stable. Michael shot out of the door and got in 
the way of the footman who was helping Sophie down. Where did you get off to? He said. I've been so worried, and Hal's terribly upset. I'm sure he is. Sophie said apprehensively. Because Mrs. Pensim instead, said Michael. Howell came to the door, too. He looked pale and depressed. He was holding a scroll with red and blue royal seals dangling off it, which Sophie eyed guiltily. Howell gave the sergeant a gold piece and did not say a word until the coach and the troopers had gone clattering away. Then he said, I make that four horses and ten men just to get rid of one old woman. What did you do to the king? Sophie followed Howell and Michael indoors, expecting to find the room covered with green slime. But it was not, and there was Calcifer flaring up the chimney, grinning his purple grin. Sophie sank into the chair. I think the king got sick of me turning up and blackening your name. I went twice, she said, and uh, everything went wrong, and I met the witch on her way from killing Mrs. Penstemon. What a day! While Sophie described some of what happened, Howell leaned on the mantelpiece, dangling the scroll as if he were thinking of feeding it to Calcifer. Behold, the new royal wizard, he said. My name is very blackened. Is very black. Then, then he began to laugh, much to the surprise of Sophie and Michael. And what did she do to the Count of Cataract? He laughed. I should never have let her near the king. I did blacken your name. Sophie protested. I know. It was my miscalculation. Howell said. Now, how am I going to pour Mrs. Penstemon's funeral without the witch knowing? Any ideals, Cowsfer? It was clear that Howell was far more upset about Mrs. Penstemon than anything else. Michael was the one who worried about the witch. He confessed next morning that he had nightmares all night. He had dreamed she came through all the castle entrances at once. Where's Hal? He asked anxiously. Howell had gone out very early, leaving the bathroom full of unusual scented steam. He had not taken his guitar. The doorknob was turned green down. Even Calcifer knew no more than that. Don't open the door to anyone. Calcifer said. The witch knows all about the entrance except the Port Haven one. This so alarmed Michael that he fetched some planks from the yard and wedged them crosswise over the door. Then he got to work at last on the spell they had got back from Miss Argonian. Half an hour later, the doorknob turned sharply black down. The door began to bounce about. Michael clutched Sophie. Don't be afraid. He said, shakily. <clears throat> I'll keep you safe. 
The door bounced powerfully just for a while. He had something stuck in his throat. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, that's what I figured. Uh, then, then it stopped. Michael had just let go of Sophie in great relief when came a violent explosion. The planks clattered to the floor, Calcifer plunged to the bottom of the grate, and Michael plunged into the broom cupboard, leaving Sophie standing there as the door burst open and Howell stormed in. This is a bit much, Sophie, he said. I do live here. He was soaking wet. The scarlet grey suit was black and brown, his sleeves at the ends, and the ends of his hair were dripping. Sophie looked at the doorknob, still turned black down. Miss Argonian, she thought. And he went to see her in that charmed suit. Sophie. Um, yep, I'm just, I lost my place. Give me a uh, what? Where the? Hold on. Oh, there we go. Where have you been? She said. Standing in the rain. None of your business. He said hoarsely. What were those planks in aid of? I did them. Michael said, edging out of the broom cupboard. The witch. You must think I don't know my business. Howell said irritably. I have so many misdirection spells out that most people wouldn't find us at all. I give even the witch three days. Calcifer, I need a hot drink. Calcifer had been climbing up among the logs, but as Howell went over to the fireplace, he plunged down again. Don't come near me like that. You're wet. He hissed. Sophie. Howell said pleadingly. Sophie folded her arms pitilessly. What about Letty? She said. I'm soaked through. Said Howell. I should have a hot drink. And I said, what about Letty Hatter? Sophie said. Bother you, then, said Howell. He shook himself. The water fell off him in a neat ring on the floor. Howell stepped out of it with his hair gleaming dry and his suit gray and scarlet and not even damp and went to fetch the saucepan. The world is full of hard-hearted women, Michael. He said, I can name three without stopping to think. One of them being Miss Angorian? Asked Sophie. Howell did not answer. He ignored Sophie grandly for the rest of the morning while he discussed moving the castle with Michael and Calcifer. Howell really was going to run away, just as she had warned the king he would. Sophie thought, as she sat and sewed more triangles of blue and silver suit together, she knew she must get Howell out of the grey and scarlet suit as soon as possible. I don't think we need to move the Port Haven entrance, 
Howell said. He conjured himself a handkerchief out of the air and blew his nose with a hoot which made Calcifer flicker uneasily. But I want the moving castle well away from anywhere it's been before anywhere it's been before and the Kingsbury entrance shut down. Someone knocked on the door then. Sophie noticed that Howell jumped and looked around as nervously as Michael. Neither of them answered the door. Coward, thought Sophie scornfully. She wondered why he had gone through all the trouble, why she had gone through all the trouble for Howell yesterday. I must have been mad. She muttered to the blue and silver suit. What about the black down entrance? Michael asked when the person knocking seemed to have gone away. That stays. Howell said and conjured himself another handkerchief with a final sort of flick. It would, thought Sophie. Miss Angorian is outside it. Poor Letty. By the middle of the morning, Howell was conjuring handkerchiefs in twos and threes, and they were flopping squares of they were floppy squares of paper, really, Sophie saw. He kept sneezing. His voice grew hoarser. He was conjuring handkerchiefs by the half dozen soon. Ashes from though from the used ones were piled around Calcifer. Oh, why is it that whenever I go to Wales, I always come back with a cold? Howell croaked and conjured himself a whole wad of tissues. Sophie snorted. Did you say something? Howell croaked. No, but I was thinking that people who run away from everything deserve every cold they get. Sophie said. People who are appointed to do something by the king and go courting in the rain instead have only themselves to blame. You don't know everything I do, Mrs. Moralizer. Howell said. You want me to write out a list before I go out another time? I have looked for Prince Justin. Courting isn't the only thing I do when I go out. When did, have you looked? <clears throat> said Sophie. Oh, how your ears flap and your nose twitches. Howell croaked. I look when he I looked when he first disappeared, of course. I was curious to know what Prince Justin was doing up this way when everyone knew Solomon had gone to the waste. I think someone must have sold him a dud finding spell. A dud finding spell because he went right over into the folding valley and brought another from Mrs. Fairfax. And that fetched him back this way, fairly naturally, where he stopped at the castle and Michael sold him another finding spell and a disguise spell. Michael's hand went over his mouth. That... Was that man in the green uniform Prince Justin? Yes, but I didn't mention the matter ooh, before said Howell. Because the king might have thought you should have had the sense to tell him another 
dud. Sell him another dud. Sorry. I had a conch. Mm, wow, why can't I read? <laughs> Big surprise. I had a conscience I mean, about it. I mean, you read it right and then you stopped yourself. Yeah, well, it's because it didn't sound right. Conscience. Notice that word, Mrs. Longnose. I had a conscience. Howell conjured another wad of handkerchiefs and glowered at Sophie over them out of the eyes that were now red-rimmed and watery. Then he stood up. I feel ill. He announced. I'm going to bed where I may die. He tottered piteously to the stairs. Bury me beside Mrs. Penstemon. He croaked as he went up them to bed. Sophie applied herself to her sewing harder than ever. Here was her chance to get the grey and scarlet suit off of Howell before it did any more damage to Miss Angorian's heart. Unless, of course, Howell went to bed in his clothes, which she did not put past him. So Howell must have been looking for Prince Justin when he went to Upper Folding and met Letty. Poor Letty, Sophie thought, putting brisk tiny scratches round her 57th blue triangle. Only another 40 or so to go. Howell's voice was presently heard, shouting weakly. Help me, someone. I'm dying from neglect up here. Sophie snorted. <laughs> got, a, got an air for the dramatics, do we? Yeah, a little bit. Sophie snorted. Michael left off working on his new spell and ran up and down stairs. Things became very restless. In the time it took for Sophie to sew ten more blue triangles, Michael ran upstairs with lemon and honey, with a particular book with cough mixture, with a spoon to take the cough mixture with, and then with nose drops, throat pastilles, gargle, pen, paper, three more books, and an infusion of willow bark. People kept knocking at the door, too, making Sophie jump and Calcifer flicker uneasily. When no one opened the door, some of the people went on hammering for five minutes or so, rightly thinking they were being ignored. By this time, Sophie was becoming worried about the blue and silver suit. It was getting smaller and smaller. One cannot sew in that number of triangles without taking up quite a lot of cloth in the seams. Michael, she said when Michael came rushing downstairs again because Howell fancied a bacon sandwich for lunch. Michael, is there a way to make small cloths larger? Oh, oh yes. Excuse me, <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. Begging your pardon. Hold on, hold on. Said Michael. Yep. That's just what my new spell is. When I get a chance to work on it, uh, <clears throat> he wants six slices of bacon in the sandwich. Could you ask Calcifer? Sophie and Calcifer exchanged speaking looks. I don't think he's dying, Calcifer said. I give you the rinds to eat if you bend your head down, Sophie said, laying down her sewing. 
It was easier to bribe Calcifer than bully him. They had bacon sandwiches for lunch, but Michael had to rush upstairs in the middle of eating his. He came down with news that Howell wanted him to go to the market chipping now, to get some things he needed for moving the castle. But the witch, is it safe? Sophie asked. Michael licked bacon grease off of his fingers and dived into the broom cupboard. He came out with one of the dusty velvet cloaks slung around his shoulder. At last, the person who came out wearing the cloak was a burly man with a red beard. This person licked his fingers and said in Michael's voice, How thinks I'll be safe enough like this? It's misdirection as well as disguise. I wonder if Letty will know me. The burly man opened the door, green down, and jumped out onto the slow-moving hills. Peace descended. Calcifer settled and chinked. Howell had evidently realized that Sophie was not going to run up after him, and there was silence upstairs. Sophie got up and cautiously hobbled to the broom cupboard. This was her chance to go and see Letty. Letty must be very miserable by now. Sophie was fairly sure Howell had not been near her since that day in the orchard. It might just do some good if Sophie were to tell her that her feelings were caused by a charmed suit. Anyway, she owed it to Letty to tell her. The seven league boots were not in the cupboards. Sophie could not believe it at first. She turned everything out, and there was nothing there but ordinary buckets, brooms, and other velvet cloak. Dread, and the other velvet cloak. Dread that, Ben. Sophie exclaimed. Howell had obviously made sure she would not follow him anywhere again. She was putting everything back into the cupboard when someone knocked at the door. Sophie, as usual, jumped and hoped they would go away. But this person seemed more determined than most. Whoever it was went on knocking, or perhaps hurling him or herself at the door, for the sound was more of a steady whoomp, 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 than proper knocking. After five minutes, they were still doing it. Sophie looked at the uneasy green flickers which were all she could see of Calcifer. Is it the witch? No, said Calcifer, muffled among his logs. It's the castle door. Someone must be running alongside us. We're going quite fast. It's the scarecrow. Sophie asked, and her chest gave her a tremor at the mere idea. It's flesh and blood. Calcifer said, his blue face climbed up into the chimney, looking puzzled. I'm not sure what it is, except that it wants to come in badly. I don't think it means any harm. Since the womp womp just kept on giving Sophie an irritable feeling of urgency, she decided to open the door and put a stop to it. Besides, she was curious about what it was. 
She still had the second velvet cloak in her hand from turning out the broom covers, so she threw it round her shoulders and went to the door. Calcifer stared. Then, for the first time since she had known him, he bent his head down voluntarily. Great crackles of laughter came from under the curly green flames. Wondering what the cloak had turned her into, Sophie opened the door. A huge spindly greyhound leapt off the hillside between the grinding black blocks of the castle and landed in the middle of the room. Sophie dropped the cloak and backed away hurriedly. She had always been nervous of dogs, and greyhounds are not reassuring to look at. This one put itself between her and the door, and stared at her. Sophie looked longingly at the wheeling rocks and heather outside, and wondered whether or not it would do any good to yell for Howl. The dog bent its already bent back and somehow hoisted itself onto its lean hind legs that made it almost as tall as Sophie. It held its front legs stiffly out and heaved upward again. Then, as Sophie had her mouth open to yell to howl, the creature put out an obviously, what was obviously an enormous effort and surged upward into the shape of a man in a crumpled brown suit. He had gingerish hair and a pale, unhappy face. Came from uh, upper foldings. Panted this dog man. Love Letty. Letty sent me. Letty crying and very unhappy. Sent me to you. Told me to stay. He began to double up and shrink before he had finished speaking. He gave a dog howl of despair and annoyance. Don't tell wizard. Roof. He whined and dwindled away inside reddish curly hair into a dog again. A different dog. This time, he seemed to be a red setter. The red setter waved its fringed tail and stared earnestly at Sophie from melting, miserable eyes. Oh, dear. Said Sophie as she shut the door. You do have trouble, my friend. You were the collie dog, weren't you? Now I see what Mrs. Fairfax was talking about. That witch once slaying, she really does. But why has Letty sent you here, if you don't want me to tell Wizard Howell? The dog growled faintly at the name, but it also wagged its tail and stared appealingly. All right, I won't tell him. Sophie promised. The dog seemed reassured. He trotted to the hearth, where he gave Calcifer a somewhat wary look and lay down beside the fender in skinny in a skinny red bundle. Calcifer, what do you think? Sophie said. <clears throat> this dog is bespelled human. He's a bespelled human. Calcifer said unnecessarily. I know, but what can you take the spell but can you take the spell off of him? Sophie asked. She supposed Letty must have heard like so many people, that Howell had a witch working for him now, and it seemed rather important to turn the dog into a man again 
and sent him back to Upper Folding before Howell got out of bed and found him here. No, I need to be linked with Hal for that. Calcifer said. I'll try it myself then. Sophie said, poor Letty, breaking her heart for Howell, and her only other lover, a dog, most of the time. Sophie laid her hand on the dog's soft, rounded head. Turn back into a man you should be. She said. She said it quite often. But its only effect seemed to be sending the dog deeply to sleep. It snored and twitched against Sophie's leg. Meanwhile, a certain amount of moaning and groaning was coming from upstairs. Sophie kept muttering to the dog and ignored it. A loud howl, a loud hollow coughing followed, dying away into more moaning. Sophie ignored that too. Crashing sneezes followed the coughing, each one rattling the windows and all of the doors. Sophie found those harder to ignore, but she managed. Probably sounds like a phone ringing. It did sound uh, like a phone went, <laughs> went a blown nose like a bassoon in a tunnel. The coughing started again, mingled with moans. Sneezes mixed with moans and the coughs, and the sounds arose to a crescendo in which Howl seemed to be managing to cough, groan, and blow his nose, sneeze, and wail gently, all at the same time. The doors rattled, the beams in the ceiling shook, and one of Calcifer's logs rolled off onto the hearth. All right, all right, I get the message. Sophie said, dumping the, d the log back into the grate. It'll be green slime next. Calcifer, make sure the dog stays where it is. She climbed the stairs, muttering loudly. Really? These wizards? You'd think no one had ever had a cold before. Well, what is it? She asked, hobbling through the bedroom door onto the filthy carpet. I'm dying of boredom. Howl said pathetically. Or maybe just dying. He was lying propped on a dirty grey pillow, looking quite poorly, with what might have been a patchwork coverlet over him, except that it was all one colour with dust. The spiders he seemed to like so much were biz spinning busily in the canopy above him, Sophie felt his forehead. You do have a bit of a fever. She admitted. I'm delirious. Said Howell. Spots are crawling before my eyes. Those are spiders. Said Sophie. Why can't you kill yourself with a spell? Because there's no... Because there is no cure for a cold. Howell said dolefully. There are going round and round in my head. Thing oh, God. Things are going round and round in my head. Or maybe my head is going round and round in things. I keep thinking of terms of the witch's curse. I hadn't realized that she could lay me bare like that. It's a bad thing to be laid bare. 
even though the things that are true so far are all my own doing, I keep waiting for the rest to happen. You caught me right on a yawn. Okay. Sophie thought back to the puzzling verse. What things? Tell me where all past years are. Oh, I know that. Said Howell. My own or anyone else's. They're all gone. Oh, they're all there, all there. Just where they always were. I could go and play bad fairy at my own christening if I wanted. Maybe I did, and that's my trouble. No. There are only three things I'm waiting for. The mermaids, the mandrake root, and the wind to advance an honest mind. And whether I get to white hair, I suppose I only... I suppose only I'm not going to take the spell off to sea. There's only about three weeks left for them to come true in, and the witch gets me as soon as they do. But the rugby club reunion is Midsummer Eve, so I shall get to that at least. The rest had all happened long ago. You mean... Whoa, okay, there's a lot to... What the, what the hell is going on in that sentence? Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> Okay, my, oh, oh, I know that, my own or anyone else's, they're all there, just where they always were. I could go and play Bad Fairy at my own christening if I wanted, maybe I did, that's the trouble. Okay, that part makes sense. No, there are only three things I'm waiting for. The mermaids, the mandrake root, and the wind to advance an honest mind. And whether I get white hairs, I suppose, only I'm not going to take the spell off to see. There's only about three weeks left for them to come true in, and the witch gets me as soon as they do. But the rugby club reunion is Midsummer Eve, so I shall get that at least. The rest had all happened long ago. She must have been delirious when she wrote that sentence, yeah. because mother of God. There's, there's a lot. That I cannot pull sense <laughs> from that. It's, yeah, uh, maybe it makes a little bit more sense a little bit later on. Here, let's keep going. Go for it. <clears throat> you mean the falling star and never being able to find a woman true and fair? Said Sophie. I'm not surprised the way you go on, Mrs. Penstem and Oh, wait, no, this is Sophie, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not surprised the way you go on. Mrs. Penstem told me that you were going to the bad. She was right, wasn't she? I must go to her funeral, if it kills me. Howell said sadly, Mrs. Penstemon always thought fair, far too well of me. I blinded her with my charm. Water ran out of his eyes. Sophie had no idea if he was really crying or whether it was simply his cold. But she noticed he was slithering out again. I was talking about the way you keep dropping ladies as soon as you've made them fall in love with you. Why do you she do said, it? Oh, sorry. Why do you do it? <laughs> Howell pointed a shaky hand up toward the canopy of his bed. That's why I love spiders. 
If at first you don't succeed, try, try, try again. I keep trying. He said with great sadness. But I brought it on myself by making a bargain some years ago. And now I shall never be able to love anyone properly now. The water running out of Howell's eyes was definitely tears now. Sophie was concerned. Now you mustn't cry. There was a pattering outside. Sophie looked round to see the dog man oozing himself past the door in a neat half circle. She reached out and caught a handful of his red coat, thinking he was certainly coming to bite Howell. But all the dog did was lean against her leg so that she had to stagger back to the peeling wall. What's this? Said Howell. My new dog. Sophie said, hanging on to its curly hair. Now she was against the wall. She could see out of the bedroom window. I ought to look, I ought to have looked out on the yard, but instead it showed a view of a neat square garden with a child's metal swing in the middle. The setting sun was firing raindrops hanging on the swinging... The setting sun was firing raindrops hanging on the swing to blue and red. Oh my god, that sentence. As Sophie stood and stared, Howell's niece, Mary, came running across the wet grass. Howell's sister, Megan, followed Mary. She was evidently shouting that Mary should not sit on the wet swing, but no sound came, seemed to come through. That's me, huh? Mm-hmm. Is that the place called Wales? Sophie asked. Howell laughed and pounded his coverlet. Dust climbed like smoke. Bother that dog. He croaked. I had a bet with myself that I could keep you from snooping out of the window all the time you were in here. Did you now? Said Sophie, and she let go of the dog, hoping he would bite Howell hard. <laughs> but the dog only went on leaning on her, shoving her towards the door now. So all that song and dance just was just a game, was it? She said, I might have known. Howell lay back on his grey pillows, looking wronged and injured. Sometimes. He said reproachably. You sound just like Megan. Sometimes. Sophie answered, shooing the dog out of the room in front of her. I understand how Megan got the way she is. And she shut the door on the spiders, the dust, and the garden with a loud bang. And so we find the end of chapter 14 Good stuff, of Howl's Moving Castle. Good stuff. Good stuff indeed. So there's a couple of interesting things to, to point out for this chapter. One is uh, the, the we we we're getting uh, another character who we do meet in the film, 
but who has an entirely different role in the film. Yeah, like it's there's you can't even compare the two because they're not even like they're the same character, but it's that's not even the same character. I don't even remember. I want to say because we have two missing people right now. We have two people who we do not know where they are. Right. And I think this is one of them. I'm no. No? No, it's not. No. Okay. Cause I thought it was I thought it was the wizard Solomon. No. No. Oh that's right. No, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. That's and right. then and then the and then the other dude is, Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know that made perfect sense for everybody who is listening. Well, if they've been paying attention in the book, it still won't make sense, but you know right. it will eventually. But what but what becomes more interesting is we also we also see uh, an object that appears in the film that uh, we don't have a whole lot of context for either and that is the velvet cloak that uh markle wears in the oh, film that's right yeah 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 that transforms him into a uh, a grungy old man yes which uh is the is the same velvet cloak that uh he he just put on before he went out yeah he uses it much earlier on in the movies than he does in in the book yep and uh, the the one the one interesting bit and the reason why Howell didn't want to have to uh, deal with the things is uh, the last person who saw Prince Justin alive was Michael. Yeah. Who gave him, you will remember, a finding spell and a disguise spell. It's <laughs> an interesting combination and yeah oh yeah <laughs> and I'll just like I already had it there but I just like connected another point that I didn't remember <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen boys and girls story seekers and adventurers all that is all we have for this evening that is that is but be sure to come back next time for chapter 50 is that right yeah, in which uh, Howell goes to a funeral in disguise. Ooh. Intriguing. So that, uh, that should give you a little bit of pretense. And uh, now you actually know what happens in the whole chapter, so there's no reason to come back next week. <laughs> right. Thank you guys for being here. <laughs> well, see, if it were any other book, I would say that's correct. But this book, that that's... That's... Yeah, eight, like, <laughs> that's the way she names. That's basically what happens. <laughs> yeah that's fair alright fine I'll give you that it's it's basically which like she the, the way that she names the chapters like it's basically what happens right but there's usually so much more on top of it that it's uh, it's a little bit ridiculous but come back next time and but find out what happens uh, more specifically join us join us this coming Monday for The Witcher Dark Tales yeah yeah um and there will be some interesting new programming as well coming out on Twitch in the coming weeks uh, after this episode airs. 
So you can look for us also over on twitch.tv forward slash punktowntv for some more live content that should be good fun for everyone. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, you can follow my brother over on uh, the Instagrams uh, at Anshawn, A-N-N-N S-E-A-N Yeah. Uh, and you can also yeah, do, you, do you still upload to your portrait accounts? Not a lot, but I do still have it, and I do plan uh, on uploading to it. Well, then you can check him out in the meantime over on TikTok at the Real Thick Jesus Two Qs Extra Thick, as well as Real Thick Jesus over on Twitter, and of course you can find me at Real Slim Jesus on Twitter and Instagram, as well as at the The Real Slim Jesus over on TikTok and Black Dragon Tavern on all of the things. Now that we've got that boring bit out of the way, thank you all so much for joining us for our adventures into the realm of Howl and his migrating uh, architecture. <laughs> I hope that you will join us the next time that we turn the page. And remember to stay bloodthirsty, my friends. And all hail the black dragons we will see you all next time bye bye, bye.